consumer demands disruptive technologies and AI are shaping healthcare for years to come. On Hello Healthcare, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. We hope that these stories will inspire you to create and demand a better future in healthcare. Please welcome your host, Alan Tam, Chief Marketing Officer at Actium Health. Our first two seasons of Hello Healthcare are available on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our conversations with some of healthcare's most well-respected leaders in marketing, business strategy, data science, and much more. If you like what you hear, please share with your friends and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Hello Healthcare. As many of you are probably aware, healthcare consumerism is a major driving force in health systems today. Consumers are more savvy than others. And as healthcare marketers, we continue to struggle to reach and engage consumers with fewer budget dollars. Taking on this challenge directly, I have Anthony Cadu and Sharon Lyon-Clary, both from Advent Health. They seem to have cracked the code on being able to generate transformative ROI from precision marketing to reach these folks. Anthony is the Executive Director of Performance Marketing Strategy, and Sharon is the Vice President of Strategic Marketing and Communications. Welcome, Sharon, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah, good, morning. good to be here with you. Absolutely. So I think every health system is a little bit different. I'd like to, before we kind of jump in, understand how the both of you work together today. We work together a lot. I actually <laughs> like him. <laughs> well, I oversee strategic marketing communications, as, as you said. So mm-hmm. that's everything from more traditional partnering with Anthony on digital marketing, as well as partnerships, communications, and physician relations. So the work Anthony does and his team is really integral to the success of all that we're doing as an organization. Thank you, Sharon. You're welcome. (laughs) So within performance marketing strategy, I'm part of the corporate services team. So we support any corporate-led initiatives, and then we have various divisions within the company. So digital marketing is then an extension of Sharon's team. So I have team members that are assigned to her team members. We're fully integrated Mm -hmm. within their planning and their strategy sessions. And then we deploy digital strategies to support their overall initiatives. That makes a lot of sense. And I love the collaboration that you guys have. I mean, that's something that's a challenge for many health systems. So kudos for being able to accomplish that. So let's jump uh, into the, the topic at hand, precision marketing. This is the first time I've heard of the term within healthcare marketing. Obviously, I'm very familiar with the term outside. Mm -hmm. But for many of our audience, what is precision marketing? It's kind of inspired, you know, take a nod from Amazon, from Spotify, and what we all love about those brands. But it enables us to really approach our marketing efforts with precision, just Mm -hmm. like the name says. So we're able to find those people who are very highly likely to need our services and then talk to them and reach out to them with the services that they need, with the messaging that will resonate with them. And it's been highly successful. Anthony knows the ins and outs, the X's and O's, as they say. So you can go deeper on that. Sure. I mean, there's really these three layers that we look at, Alan. Mm -hmm. So how likely is someone to have a particular condition Mm -hmm. or need? Then there's a second layer, which is just because they have that condition doesn't mean that they'll actually go and receive care. So how likely are they then to engage in care? And then the third layer is how likely are they to choose Advent Health? Because even within that third layer, sometimes people might be very loyal to an existing system. So we look at all of that and then we build segments. And then in addition to that, creative that is addressing those specific segments. And we're 
connecting with those people directly online. And we do a little bit of direct mail as well, but it, it goes away from more of the contextual and kind of broad persona type work that we've been doing and going and addressing people on an individual one-on-one basis. Right. That makes a lot of sense. What type of data is kind of powering this kind of from the, from the back end? So you're telling me that you're able to identify the patients who are most at risk, mm-hmm. likelihood to respond and so forth. What are you leveraging to get that type of insight? We work very closely with our partners. So we have mm-hmm. two partners, Optum and then also BPD. So mm-hmm. Optum, we know who they are. Right. right? right. Uh-huh. So that's the, the data engine. Mm-hmm. And then BPD, it stands for? Brown, Parker, and DeMarinas. Yes. Okay. And so they're our strategy arm. And so okay. they help to take that data and then translate it into a very consumer-centric approach. So okay. that's where our teams are lock and step on that mm-hmm. strategy and that messaging and the deployment. So is that data then being harnessed from your EHRs or is it from somewhere else, your CRM? So we're actually keeping it separate from Mm -hmm. our EHR and that's all third-party sourced through Optum. They have three different groupings of data that they use Mm -hmm. to look at the propensity data. Then there's also kind of healthcare psychographic type data and then also consumerism data, right? So what are like people's individual preferences? Do you like... Right. Dunkin' Donuts or yeah. Starbucks, right? right? So right. those are the, the sets of data that we're looking at to then create this messaging and target them directly. Yeah. So I think very few healthcare organizations are actually doing this. And mm-hmm. I think what you guys are doing is amazing. Why aren't more healthcare marketers doing what you guys are doing today? <laughs> Well, we like to innovate. So we like to be the first to kind of try things. So I think we have a culture in our organization as part of our DNA to, mm-hmm. to take risks. So I think we did that. We piloted it. We saw amazing results. I'll, I'll let I'll just tease you with that and let Anthony tell you the results. But I think it takes folks doing that. I also think because it's so hyper personalized, you have to have the right structure in place. You can't just start this tomorrow and think you can do it easily. You have to have the right structure in place because you're really creating a lot of different creative. So for our pilot, just to give you a sense, we created 160 different. Wow types of creative that go out based on different criteria, right? Yeah. So that's not an easy lift. You know, I think the other piece, Alan, is that sometimes we can fall into the trap of something sounding similar to something else, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of companies that are saying, oh, well, we're doing propensity modeling and we're doing segmentation work and we're developing creative for these segments. So it can start just sounding the same. Precision is Mm -hmm. not an inexpensive investment. That's another another hurdle that sometimes healthcare marketers would have to overcome with this type of program. So if they were going to a CFO or a CEO, they would look at this and say, well, it sounds like these other programs that are less expensive, why would you spend more here? So Sharon was able to overcome that hurdle. Then once we did that and we looked at what the ROI was, then it proved itself, right? Now they wanted to invest more, looking at it more as an investment model rather than an expense Mm -hmm. model. Love that. Um, and that's going to lead me to my next question is how, how do you get your finance partner to sign off? How do you guys prove out ROI? What are some of the core metrics that you guys have come up with to influence your leadership team to continue budgeting and, and funding for this amazing program? Yeah, well, I mean, that's always a challenge, right? Yeah. There's never probably enough dollars. And so we have to be very good stewards of it. But I would say we partnered partnered with them and we sat down and said, okay, what do you want to see? Because there's a, I think a tendency for folks to say, oh, marketing Mm -hmm. just spends money. We see it as an investment. And so we really talk to them 
and try to speak their language. And so we actually sat down and partnered with them and said, okay, how can we create a dashboard together that meets your needs and our needs? And how do we storytell with it? Because there's a lot of data points, but unless it tells the story and threads through to show the impact, I think it's a fail. So, and I also, I'll let Anthony talk about it, but the work we did with Precision to really drill down, because I don't think you can claim everything. So as much as I would love to claim that we drove every single person through that door, I don't think that brings authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I think that starts to break trust with Mm -hmm. the finance team because they're like, okay, that doesn't make sense. You know, what I saw in this organization and then previous organizations, Mm -hmm. there's this back and forth with marketing and the financial leaders where marketing is saying, hey, look at everything that we're doing. And then we're almost defending or debating with the financial leaders. So a few years ago, Sharon and some other leaders in the company saw that we we can't keep going down this path. Right. Right? So let's co-create an attribution model with finance. Mm -hmm. Finance, you tell us, what do we need to be looking at and where can we gain confidence in our models with your scrutiny? And then we co-create this together, right? So that's what we did. And it took us having to take some accommodations around how we would typically report out an ROI. So overall, the ROI looked like less than what we would typically do. Mm -hmm. But now we had the, you know, the stamp of approval from the finance team. So they trusted the ROI that we're reporting out on. Whereas before there was always a question in their mind. So we actually created some pretty sophisticated Mm -hmm. algorithms. We look across four different types of patients. We're Mm -hmm. looking at when they came in, when the last time they engaged with the system, any other service line engagement. We've Mm -hmm. built lift models. This is across every single service line within every market. So we spent about 18 months just creating Mm -hmm. the financial models with our my analytics team and then also a BI team within the company. So once we had that, the finance leaders trust what we're reporting out on. So are you guys focused on kind of multi-touch attribution as well? So obviously you can't claim full credit, but right. every touch point, every yeah. interaction, I want to take a little bit of credit for that based on the campaigns and the outreach and programs that you guys are doing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So right now we're using two methods. We're mm-hmm. looking at a, a last touch attribution for something like precision, mm-hmm. but then we're also layering in MTA, so multi-touch attribution. So okay. we're looking that across all online and offline channels. Which one resonates better with your finance team? All of it. All of it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, we. I think people are looking it's for really the silver good. bullet, yeah. but yeah. there isn't one. It's, it has to be more sophisticated than that. So that's why we look at multiple data points. Yeah. Right. But MTA has really shined the light on some of these other channels that can't always be directly tracked, mm-hmm. like. Right you know, out of home and TV and radio that typically people don't understand what the impact is. MTA is now showing that um, more clearly. But there's an art and a science to how they all work together. And I think that's the real power of this this data. Absolutely. Now, if I had to drill down on the specific metric, though, that really resonates with your finance partner, I'm going to assume it's revenue. Is that like the ultimate metric? Net revenue. Net revenue. Mm -hmm. And then how do you map what you're producing to that? net revenue? Like what is the the core deliverable that marketing has to generate for that net revenue figure? Like what are you mapping to that on your side? What metric? I mean, volume through the door. I mean, bottom line. I mean, the simplest form. I would say the other core metric that plays a big role in in all that we do is just awareness and preference too, you know, at the kind of the the macro level. Yeah. 
from a revenue perspective, mm-hmm. it's return on marketing investment mm-hmm. specifically. Right. I do want to go back to a little bit to something Sharon you talked about earlier, which is hyper personalization, yeah. and I think that mm-hmm. is one of the key pillars of precision marketing. Uh, many health systems I've talked to before on the opposite end of the spectrum where you guys are. And they're, they fear kind of the creep factor of like, whoa, it's going to be too much for, for the healthcare consumer. How do you guys balance that from creepiness, stocking to, hey, this is really relevant for me? Yeah, I mean, I think some people do have a reaction like that, but we have not found that. The entire campaign, no matter what we do, looks like our brand. And it's very approachable. I don't know. We just really have not faced that. It's almost speaking to the consumer with the messaging and what they want. So they see it as a real benefit. I mean, the same way Spotify serves up all the songs that you love or Amazon says, hey, you bought this. I think you'd like this. We love that, right? It's actually making it easier for our lives. I think that's the same scenario that we found. Yeah, and the data backs that up, right? Yeah. Consumers more and more want to be spoken to directly. They want personalized Mm -hmm. communication. They want us to know who they are and speak to them on that level. But on the same side of that, I think it's the last uh, data point I saw on this was 70%. It's either 60 or 70% of consumers don't trust that healthcare systems know enough about them. So I think it's actually quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. I think we're holding ourselves back by and large as an industry. Consumers expect this. Every other, you know, retail touch point is speaking to them on that level. So when they don't get that, it's such a contrast. Right, like, gosh, how, and if anybody should know them, it's us. Right. You should be in my seat because these are the same exact questions and same exact analogies. I talked to some of your peers who who aren't doing this because that is my expectation. If it's not relevant to me, then it's like, what are you doing? You should know me better than me. Exactly. One of the things we did with Precision that I was really excited about was during COVID, the concern index around, you know, being fearful. Right. about coming into healthcare, to the emergency room or other healthcare offices and that. And so we actually took that into consideration as well in how we approached our, our messaging and our marketing. So again, there's all different layers that you can add into that you do. And they're, they fear kind of the creep factor of like, whoa, it's going to be too much for, for the healthcare consumer. How do you guys balance that from creepiness, stocking to, hey, this is really relevant for me? Yeah, I mean, I think some people do have a reaction like that, but we have not found that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the entire campaign, no matter what we do, looks like our brand, and it's very approachable. What are some of the common pitfalls that you guys have come across mm-hmm. in kind of building this program? I mean, I'd say probably the biggest one is that you've got to invest in it. So it is going to take an investment of dollars, resources, setting up that structure, like I mentioned, but also you've got to do it for a certain duration. So we tried, you know, being in market three months, a quarter, we really found that a minimum six months to start seeing the return. You've got to really lay track there. The longer you can let it run, the Mm -hmm. better. Now with that, we're contacting a, a finite set of individuals. So again, we're not doing contextual, it's not you know, channel-based necessarily. So because the same individuals are being reached out to, you have to change the create quite a bit. So the creative can get stale very quickly. I would love to have more of your peers, more healthcare marketers do what you guys are doing. But obviously, as you guys talked about earlier, it's a significant investment and there's a lot of work that goes into getting this off the ground. So how do I start? What would you recommend I start? How do I go about this? Do you want to just give them your cell number? <laughs> We come as a package. Um, You know, gosh, that's a a really good question. I mean, I think it starts with finding the right 
data partner yeah. and partners to help you because you're going to need the right folks at the table going on this adventure with you. It's exciting, though. I mean, we see it as, as a, a real pivot. We, our pilot ended up now being the gold standard across our company. And Anthony's really led the expansion of that, which is yielding amazing results, the best results we've ever seen with any strategy. Yeah, and you know, the other thing I'd say is that at some point, you're going to have to take a risk. Like Sharon took a risk on this program. She right. invested a significant amount of money, shifted that from somewhere else, yeah. and, it, and it paid off. So at some point, risk is in play. Yeah, risk in healthcare. That's, uh, <laughs> shouldn't be used in the same uh, sentence. So I do want to go back to ROI a little bit. What were some of the challenges that you guys face working with your finance partners in terms of calculating the ROI? You touched a little bit on last touch and you touched a little bit on MTA, but in terms of helping them understand what were some of the, the challenges and obstacles to kind of get them to align? Yeah, I think what we hear most often, less so now since we built the models, but mm-hmm. from, from before is if we're saying, okay, these patients came into the system, mm-hmm. be them new or existing patients, the common response is, well, how do you know they wouldn't have come into the system anyway? Yep. Number so, one comment. The number, <laughs> number one, one number comment, one, right? bar, bar none. So that's where we had to make some accommodations around in the past. We probably would have claimed more than what we mm-hmm. claim now. To be honest, I'm, I can't get into all the criteria, how this is all mapped out, sure. because that's proprietary. Yeah. But we do look across multiple data points to determine these people are in versus these people are out based on engagement within the system and other service lines and the marketing. So there's there's a lot that goes into it. It's right. probably an hour long presentation in and of itself, uh-huh. but we that's where we co-created that together. What have been some of the biggest lessons that you guys have learned from your precision marketing programs? Oh gosh, I mean, there's so many. I mean, it works. I, yeah, it, it definitely works. I mean, I, I think we talked about the duration of being in market. That was critical. I think you have to have really clear, strong call to actions too. That might sound like 101 in marketing, but I think there's better call to actions than others, especially when you can tailor those to the audience. That was key. We talk a lot about integrated campaigns. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. developing creative that's end to end. What I've seen in the digital landscape is that Systems will sometimes just repurpose uh, landing pages and things like that. So where we've seen some success is actually fully building that out, even through the landing page experience, through CRM, like our email follow-ups, everything is following through at that segment level. And we found some success with that. That's amazing to have that really consistent and complete journey for, Mm -hmm. for the consumer. Very similar to how other industries are actually doing it. (laughs) You know what else we did is, remember we originally started, we had 11 cohorts. Yeah. So we had a lot of people, a lot of different cohorts we were targeting with different different messaging and that. And we really found that the key ones that were really driving for that service line. So we were able to drill in. So I think we were refining and optimizing all the time. That was a big learning. I mean, there really is a beauty to knowing who we're targeting. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the analysis that you can do post-campaign yeah. on a very deep level is unlike anything mm-hmm. we've been able to do in the past. So another question I have is really around your partnership with the finance team and CFO. And you guys t- touched on this a little bit. Sure. What I've learned is that oftentimes healthcare marketers have some trouble building the relationship and trust with, with the CFO. What are some of the recommendations and tips that you guys have for your peers who are going through the struggle of building that relationship? 
Yeah. I think sometimes they don't understand marketing, right? We speak kind of different languages. So yeah. really connecting, like Anthony was saying, and partnering with them yeah. to talk about, okay, where are your hot buttons? Mm-hmm. What resonates? How can I tell the story so that it really fits within what you're doing and you see us as an investment? Again, a lot of times they see it as an expense, but once they understand what we can do and how we do it, because uh-huh. sometimes we make it look really easy and there's actually a lot of science and art behind it. Mm-hmm. And I think that educating them and bringing them in mm-hmm. as part of kind of the team has really been a game changer for us. Yeah. I would say too that we have some marketing leaders on our side that really speak financial language. Mm-hmm. And so in our experience, you know, getting out of some of what could be perceived as like the marketing woo-woo fluffy yeah. uh-huh. and into the data and the science and speaking on that financial level helps gain trust. This might seem obvious, but I think both sides just laying down their arms, right? Like, yeah. well, let's, this mm-hmm. isn't a battle. Right. Let's do this together. Having some humility on both sides can go a long way. Makes sense. Well said. And, you know, we have a tendency to want to show, here's the creative, mm-hmm. right? And that's probably not where we need to start with the conversation, right? right? You need to speak to your point, your language. I've even recommended to some of my team who it does, doesn't come naturally, right? Yeah. They're more on the creative side mm-hmm. to actually find someone who can help mentor them and to even run conversations by them to make sure that they're really resonating when they have those conversations with the yeah. CFOs. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So besides finance, who and other folks within marketing, who are some of the other partners that need to be involved as they're getting precision marketing off the ground? Business development. We work a yeah. lot with our, mm-hmm. our strategy arm operations. So we started with emergency rooms. So our emergency team was very involved, ensuring that the messaging we were saying was clinically sound. That's really I think that was it. We tried to streamline it because yeah. when you get so many people, the beauty with precision is you want to be really nimble. So you right. want to be constantly optimizing and learning from the data. So you got to identify the key people who are yeah. going to be rapidly kind of approving things and do as much as that up front because you're not going to have time. I mean, if something's not working, Anthony and his team, they're flipping it out. That makes sense. I think a lot of the challenge across various different health systems is sometimes finance is the only partner, sounds like in in your case, the main partner. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, healthcare marketers need the support and the champion of, say, service line heads or medical group folks to help help drive that as well. But it's good to hear that you guys have that level of influence and, and authority just to work with your finance team to get it off and running. So Yeah, I think once great. we kind of got everyone on the same page, it was mm-hmm. like, we got to go. Here are the guardrails. Here are the triggers. This right. is when we'll come back to you. If not, we're going. So give me an example of one of your most successful campaigns so far. Precision marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Precision marketing so, campaign. Yeah, We have tried quite a few of them. Some mm-hmm. worked well and some didn't, but by yeah. far the most successful was our has been our ED yeah. campaign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which we ER thought campaign. was going to be the hardest. Yeah. And it actually ended up being, I, I wouldn't say it was easy, but I would say it was, there's just a large catchment area, right? Yeah. When you exactly. start to drill down into certain diagnoses or certain pain points, I think that's when the, the market just narrows. So from that particular campaign, what were some of the results that you guys can share in terms of you this should. is why it was so effective. Yeah, no, you sure. should brag. No, I mean, it's <laughs> it's not, good. Yeah. We showcase. We yeah. have we we've returned one hundred to one. Wow. ROI. One hundred to one. Campaign. And that's the conservative number. Like we have taken really like I mean yeah. our finance team were like, throw it at us. 
you have, you know, think we shouldn't claim that, we'll take it out. We take right. out every single line item and it's right. still 100 to 1. That's yeah. amazing. Would it be okay if we explore and double click on that campaign in terms of what was kind of the call to action on that campaign? What was the objective of that campaign? Yeah, I mean, it, it's ED awareness, right? So ER awareness. Okay. So the call to action is come to the ER <laughs> at the end of the day. But that's customized mm-hmm. to each segment. Sharon talked earlier about there being like the 11 segments that yeah. we started with, but that's at the highest level. So then within each of those segments, we're layering communications and creative and content mm-hmm. specific. So maybe it's based on geo, can be race, could be gender, it could oh. be family composition. There's a lot of things that we're adding within those segments. Language was yeah. another one. Okay. We even tried to look at the market. So if you yeah. live in a different area of town, we wanted to feel like it was your your community. So given that's amazing, hundred to one, never heard of that type of uh, ROI, oh, like that. <laughs> especially in, in healthcare, and that being a conservative estimate. So what were some of the key, I guess, lessons and best practices from that campaign that you guys were able to tease out for hopefully future campaigns? Yeah, I mean, I think we're continuing to learn as Mm -hmm. we go. I mean, Anthony mentioned some campaigns have been more successful. ER, very successful. Mm -hmm. I think we learned that areas like OB, we tried an OB, but we only did it for three months. Yet that is not the cycle of someone who is looking to get pregnant or pregnant. And so it just wasn't long enough in market. So that was one of, I think, our biggest aha moments kind of early on. So I think finding the right places to use precision is critical. And again, some are going to, they're going to yield different return based on what the strategy is. Yeah, but I mean, so the best practices that we talked about earlier really were derived from this campaign. Got it. Yeah. So amazing job. What's next? I mean, you guys are off running the races and just sounds like you guys are catapulting forward. What's next for precision marketing? Well, we've just expanded it. So the the pilot ran for multiple years because uh-huh. it was through COVID in that. And Anthony's been leading to really expand it across our whole company. Yeah, that's really been the, the mm-hmm. big push, right? And that campaign just ended, I think, a week and a half ago now. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Right, so uh-huh. it's still too soon to determine what the impact of that is, but right. that's really been the next big push for us. So I don't think we covered kind of when you guys started. How long ago did you guys start this? We started our pilot... October 2019. Okay. So he remembers exactly. I was in, I know it was 2019, <laughs> yeah, but right. I didn't know the exact date. Very yeah. well said. Thank you. So right before the pandemic, how That's did right. the, you know, as you're getting it off the ground, I think the pandemic officially hit, we'll call it March 2020. Yes. How did you guys kind of go through that challenge, I guess? I'm, I'm going to assume budgets were affected. You know, there's a lot of obstacles, I think, as as the country shut down during that time and your yeah. campaign was just getting started up and running. Yeah. How did you kind of navigate through through that to see it through? Gosh, we had done all the investment and the planning up front. So That's it was right. really in motion. We didn't pull back. We had a, a small pause. We did take it out of the market a couple of times with some of the surges because obviously we weren't right. trying to drive more folks to the ED during yeah. that time. But as things leveled off, one of the things that we did was you know, so Sharon talked about that concern index mm-hmm. that we had layered on. And so what's what the degree of people's fear about coming to the ER? We were also doing some proprietary research around people's overall level of comfortability with mm-hmm. going to healthcare facilities and mm-hmm. ERs. We're not the only system who dealt with this, right? right? Right. So even as volumes kind of leveled off, we then needed to address individuals to say, you know, it's safe to come in, right? So that's the psychographic mm-hmm. level that we were speaking to them on. Some people felt very comfortable. Some people were very risk averse. There was no way that they were going to come out of their homes, <laughs> right? We've heard yeah. about that. Right. So yeah. then we were able to actually address 
those specific kind of psychological concerns that they were having yeah. with our messaging through precision marketing. So it ended up helping level our volumes during a time where some of our competitors weren't experiencing the same thing. Actually, it spawned too us to yeah. be innovative around clean and safe. Yeah. So we yeah. created this whole consumer campaign as well inside our facilities externally with the clean and safe badge that we then added on to all of our precision efforts, as yeah. I recall. That's amazing. I really enjoyed learning about that case study. I'm, I'm just still flabbergasted with the 100 to 1 ratio, especially coming from, from healthcare on the non-clinical side. So I really enjoyed this conversation, Sharon. Anthony, thank you so much. I'm sure many in the audience would love to continue this conversation with either of you. What's the best way for folks to kind of get a hold of either of you to pick your brain and learn a little bit more about how they can deploy precision marketing. Yeah, I think email is the best bet. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say LinkedIn. But yeah, oh, we LinkedIn too. too. Yeah. yeah, we're both on LinkedIn. Okay, not your cell phone number. No. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much, Anthony, Sharon. Really appreciate it. For those of you who are listening, please do give uh, Sharon and Anthony a connect on LinkedIn or feel free to reach them via email. Until next time, hello. Thanks again for tuning in to Hello Healthcare. If you like what you heard, we appreciate a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You and your feedback fuel us. This conversation is brought to you by Actium Health. To get the latest on what these healthcare leaders are saying, subscribe on hellohealthcare.com. Thanks. And when we see you next time, hello. Hello.